Hey gang, welcome back to Directed Life, the show, the official show for the kingdom creative entrepreneur to help them find, fund, and fulfill their calling to flip culture upside down. I'm your host, Cap Chatfield, joined by the one and only DJ Chaz. He doesn't like DJ Chaz. We were just joking <laughs> about that in the pre-show call. Chaz Smith. Oh, we got Chaz Smith on the show today. Man, Chaz, I'm super grateful to have you on, bro. I mean, you're a... For people that don't know you, it's hard not to because you've had plenty of content that's gone viral over the internet. Uh, I know that you've done some work with Nickelodeon in the past. Why don't you give us just a little bit of a snapshot of your career? What's up, y'all? My name's Chaz, as he said. I make videos on social media. I started off in, on Vine back in 2013, just goofing around, having fun. And then um, a few videos really took off. <laughs> I don't like naming them because people don't know what they are. It just sounds stupid. But there was one vine I made called the Water Malone vine. It was like, oh, was dude, yeah, I know that one. That's okay. a famous one. Yeah, so I was screaming about watermelon, and then this oh one, and then uh, something that took off was a series I did where I pronounced words incorrectly. Like instead of Reese's Puffs, I'd be like Rosasa Puffus, or instead <laughs> of Skittles, or original Skittles would be like original Skittles. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> um, so there was those, and uh, I did a video where I was screaming about water not being wet, and that got some attention too. Yeah, dude, people people went to war over that, bro. Yeah. I know, I got some feuds over that. Yeah. People would tell me like they would bring it up in their college classrooms, and everybody would go crazy over it. It was that's hilarious. Started that's too much. But yeah, I, I've always really wanted to. That was just what took off. But what I've really always wanted to do is. is tell stories and go into film production, which I'm starting to do right now um, through YouTube and social media. I'm just working on a personal project. It's going to be out soon. I'm release the pilot episode later this year. It's like, it's going to be like a mix between story time videos and the Bible project. Just telling oh, cool, history man. according to the Bible in, a, in the most fun and entertaining way possible. It'll be animated. I'll be narrating it with some voice acting, but it'll be animated also. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. It's Man, you cool. and I are gonna need to connect offline once you get that rolling, because I have, I have a handful of ideas for animated shows for kids that mm -hmm. are uh, kingdom focused. I mean, mm -hmm. we, you, you know it probably better than anybody. We need some seriously, uh, you know, kingdom focused content, but also have it be good. Like, yeah. my kids don't want to watch a lot of the stuff that's faith based because it's just, and they're like. Four and three, like they, mm -hmm. they yet they know the difference between high quality production and not mm -hmm. and good storytelling. So yeah. that's exciting, man, that you're stepping into that world now. Just kind of a uh, an overview of how much influence really the Lord brought your way, because this mm -hmm. is like you know that your gifting and your uh, comedic uh, aptitude; these are all gifts from from the Lord. Mm -hmm. So we're going to give him the glory, but mm -hmm. how big of a following has God brought your way through your content? Let me see. Uh, right now on Instagram, it's at around 550K. Uh, YouTube is almost a million. And TikTok is 1.2 million. And then Facebook about another half million. I mean, half. Yeah, half million. So that is nuts. But, I mean, so I don't, I don't really like to draw attention to numbers though, because it's, it's like... And then we'll get into this. I'm definitely gonna get into this during our talk, but um, yeah, yeah, that's no been a, my desire for results and outcome, and just focusing on numbers was a major reason why I was struggling with social media too. Ironically, mm -hmm. I know it's a, a, 
that's a major reason why a lot of people don't like social media as well because of the thinking that it has to always be about performance and seeing numbers is such a an important metric but allowing it to define you in a way where if you don't perform well or if something you create doesn't perform well then that says something about your work or who you are as a person or how people view you or whatever and I, I struggled with that a lot and so I've wow. actually taken a step away from social media since or a few steps away since November um, and yeah. Yeah, haven't really posted anything since then just because I know I've needed to get my identity straight in a few ways and just let go of results, outcome, performance, and all that. Praise God. And we'll talk about that in a little bit because you have a lot to say about that whole deal. Like the, the theme that we're going to go into is the discipline of social media. But before we do that, I want to get some of your backstory. So why don't you share with us, um, however really the Lord leads you, tell us about the story of how God intervened in your life, but mm -hmm. more so in your craft, your career, and yeah. your calling as a creative entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up um, uh, to both parents. My dad played in the NBA for 10 years. My mom was on television. She hosted BET's first live talk show back in the early 90s, like right before I was born. And so they're two really high achieving people. So that, that just set a tone of excellence for me in my life. I grew up going to church. I know I knew God from a young age, but mostly my experience with him would take place either in church, in a church setting, church building, or when mm -hmm. my mom would pray with me and my brothers before we go to sleep at night, which was awesome. But outside of that, my family never really spent time just seeking his presence, spending time in worship together, reading scripture together, talking about God together or theology or whatever, um, or, or praying or whatever. And uh, that type of upbringing Again, it was great. I know I knew him personally from the time I was really young. I remember like leading a kid, like praying for a kid to receive Christ when I was like five on the playground. <laughs> but, no um, way! Dang, dude, that's yeah. cool. But um, so I like I know in my heart the desire for him was always there. Growing up in my mind, my understanding of my relationship with him was about being a servant and being obedient and doing what's right, which are all good things. But that was the priority. That was um. It, it was more like religion versus yeah. relationship. Yeah, it, and it wasn't a works-based salvation. Like I knew I was saved by faith through grace, but it, after that, it was like, all right, am I good enough? And a lot of that came from oh, dang, dude. pressure that I felt from yeah. In a lot of ways, my parents, to particularly my dad, he like expected and still does expect a lot from me. And wants just only the best for me. He wants and my brothers for us all to be successful. But it was always like there wasn't much room for mistakes and growth. There wasn't much like encouragement to keep going. It was always like, all right, you're doing this wrong. You need to get this right and blah, blah, blah. It was just never enough. And so I'd, I'd take that into my relationship with God as my father. Or like, am I doing enough? Am I good enough? Yes. Am I being enough for you? Not knowing that what I'm learning now is like, yes, I am enough. I'm your son. That's that's what's first. You love me first, not my love for you. Like the- Yeah, yeah. That's what real, I'm talking about. Bro, that's been the best thing ever, man. Cause we hear stuff growing up in, in church, like just emphasis on what Jesus said were the, are the, are the two greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that becomes the most, that became the most important thing for me. Am I loving you enough? Am I loving people enough? Wow. Without knowing or being aware, like, hold on. It's your love that moves first. You're the one with Dude. the steadfast love and the faithfulness. I'm just like 
I need to live in and from that, not the other way around. Learning what it really means to that I don't have to earn his love beyond that being just a cliche. Like, yo, you, I yeah. wake up every morning and it's like, yo, you love me. I don't have to do like, I open my, before I open my eyes, you're already loving me. You're already accepting and affirming me in my relationship with you as your son after having accepted or before having accepted Christ. While we were still sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. Like, bro, it's, his love is the first, his love is first, period. Like, that's, that's what I'm really huh. learning. What, when did this really, like, when did that shift happen for you? I think personally, I can identify with some of the things that you said as far as, you know, I love that you even made the clarification about not a workspace salvation, but really a performance-based relationship. Like Mm -hmm. you're in the family, but you're still, Mm -hmm. you know, I think of that, I think of that moment when Jesus turns to his disciples because they're in the club, dude, he invited them into the club. They're in the club of Mm -hmm. 12 people. And he said to them, he said, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa. The son of God, the creator of the universe calls them yeah. friends. Yeah. That's like, that's a catalytic shift from having yeah. a performance-based relationship right. and having a unconditional relationship. When did yeah. that begin to shift for you? Yeah, man. When I moved out here to, I live in LA now. I grew up in New Jersey for, from the time I was like three through 18 when I went I, went off to college, but I moved out to LA shortly after I graduated college. That's a whole other long story because I never wanted to move to LA in the first place, but that was another like God thing. It first started to shift after moving out here and I heard somebody preach a message on the Jesus's parable about the lost son. I've heard so many times, but the way this guy preached about it just hit so differently where, um, I don't know, I just started to see it, see, that expression of God's love for us through that story Jesus told in just ways that I had never seen it before, where this son that had left and was doing everything wrong. Like, okay, I'm gonna just break it down real quick. So just for Mm -hmm. people who might not be familiar. It's in Luke 15, Jesus is saying, telling a story that he he might've made it up on the spot. I don't know. It's not necessarily, (laughs) it's not a true story that happened in scripture, but it's a a story that Jesus actually told. So, yeah. There was this 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 man who owned a whole lot of property. You can think of it as like a dude who has a massive real estate company, owns property all over the country and um, super rich, well known, has this house is so massive that he needs servants and and lawn lawn workers and all these other people just to keep it up, Dang. just for upkeep. It's like super, super stupid rich. And he has these two sons. One's older, one's younger, of course. In Jewish culture at that time. Maybe still now, I don't know. But when a, a father would write a will, like an inheritance was basically what a father's children would receive after that father passed away. And so um, the father had already written his will, had his inheritance set out. And the way it worked in Jewish, Jewish culture is the firstborn son would always receive a double portion of whatever the inheritance was. So if, let's just say, the father owned three major properties, right? The oldest son would get two and the youngest son would get one. Basically, what this younger son does is go up to his father and is like, I want my inheritance now. I want my share now. That's basically saying, I wish you were dead. Which is like, you you don't mean anything to me. Their relationship or the son's relationship wasn't there with the father. And the father gives it to him, which is wild. I'm not going to get into detail about that, but just to skip ahead, the son cashes out his the property, um, takes all the money, and let's say he just goes to Vegas and starts blowing it on everything you can think of in Vegas. I'm not even going to name specific stuff. And then 
a famine comes, let's say a pandemic hits, right? Everybody's like struggling for money. He doesn't have food. Everything's shut down. And he has to find a job working like a sewer or something. And he's like just struggling like crazy. And then finally he it says he comes to his senses and he's like, yo, I'm over here wiling out. I pissed in my father's face and I'm wishing I could eat like scraps from I'm, I'm eating out of garbage cans right now. How many of my dad's servants never have to think twice about what they're eating in a day? And so it says, he's like, I'm, I'm just going to go back to my, I, f- I feel horrible. I'm just going to go back to my dad and tell him like, yo, I don't even deserve to be your son anymore. Treat me like one of your servants. Like that's, that's the only way I can get back into my dad's house after everything I've done. And so it says he rolled, got up, went back to his dad, probably had to take a bus or walk across the country back to wherever his father's living. And when he gets there, it says his dad ran out to meet him, um, saw him coming, got up, mm. ran to meet him and hug him and kiss him. And then the son opens up his mouth and starts talking. He's like, dad, I, I did unworthy stuff. Therefore I am unworthy. Therefore treat me unworthy. Right. That's essentially where, where our mind goes when we do stuff like this. And his father yeah. ignores all that and gives him just everything. Let's know like, you're still my son. You came back to me. I love you. You're mine. What I learned, what I'm like, what that essentially taught me is, or begun to teach me, was that like, no matter what I do, no matter where I go, no matter what my actions are, those don't define me. I'm defined by my father's love. I'm his son. I'm not an orphan. We act like orphans all, like, all the time. We're like, mm. if you're adopted into a family, mm. you feel like you got to get the rules right in order to be loved a certain way. But it's the other way around. You're loved first, and then you live out of that love. Yeah, and there's more to it. Like, there's the older son, too, just how he responds to everything. But that was what really hit me first. What's wild is he he actually had prepared this speech mm-hmm. for his dad, exactly. right? Like, he had already kind of, like, he was walking walking on his way back, and he was like, all right, I'm going to say this, this, and this. Like, mm-hmm. he was in that performance mindset of, like, I'm going to say all the right things, and it's going to, like, here's my pitch. And then, to your point, he comes up, and his dad's like, shut up. Like, let me love you. And it's funny. I, I want to, I don't want to make this about me, but it's really funny that this is your, what you're talking about because a couple uh, weekends ago, a couple Sundays ago, I was ministering to some of the young adults at our church. Mm-hmm. I got asked to like, come teach on the baptism of the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite topic. And we're, we're in worship and, um, and the Lord just, and you know, I had a, I had a week, man. I had like just one of those weeks where I was like, not my devotional life was not impressive. Mm-hmm. I was not really pressing in the Lord that hard. I was super busy with work and kind of distracted and allowed my heart to maybe drift a little mm-hmm. bit here and there and come in. And I'm just like, all right, Lord, you got to show up because I'm here and I need, you know, this is about you. It's not about me. Yeah. And it was during worship where I was just, I was like literally on the ground prostrate, just like I couldn't move. Like the Holy spirit had just come in such power and his weight was like a weighted blanket. It was just like, Oh my gosh, I can feel him in the room. And, um, and then there was this moment when I was like, I was trying to get up. I was like, I gotta go teach. Like I gotta, I gotta go. Like I got invited here to teach. I'm like trying to get myself off, off the ground. And then like this, the worship leader, just this young lady just starts singing this prophetic word over us. And she was, she said something to the effect of like, Jesus, I'm so glad I didn't have my way. And then boom, I'm just like back on the ground, like, ah, like I couldn't even get up. It was like that 
you have these moments with God where he's like, whoa, he just shows up and he's just so big and powerful. And, and I was on the ground and I couldn't even, like, I was trying to sing and he spoke to me and he said, don't even sing. And as soon as I stopped singing, I just got wrecked. And I, my, I just started, I just started bawling. And he was just like, I don't even need you to sing to me. I want to just love you. And it was like this moment where I'm just so vulnerable, like a kid. I'm just on the ground, like a child, yeah. just weeping. Like, mm-hmm. I don't deserve any of this. Like my week was not like this super spiritually, like impressive week. Like I said, it was, he's just showing me, like, I don't even need you to, to like, to do this formula that you think you need to do in order for me to come. I'm just going to come. I'm going to come like a, like a rushing wind. So it's just, it's just cool, man. The connection between what you're sharing and what I experienced recently. And I think it's super important for, particularly for creative entrepreneurs to get that. And this is where I think we can maybe do like a cool transition in the, into your, uh, your thesis, (laughs) your, what you, what God's been really teaching you and developing this, like this, this thought, uh, in you about the discipline of social media, because, you know, there is this, I mean, we're living in this age, Chaz, where there's a generation that's growing up and they've grown up with a digital scoreboard mm-hmm. in their pocket Dang. that they, that is equated to for young ladies, particularly how cute they are, how, how many guys are sliding in their DMS. They notice when they post a certain provocative picture or video, they might get this much more engagement yeah. than something that's more flexing what's in their mind and in their heart. Like, let's be real. You know what I mean? And, and guys are in a very similar situation. And so, Mm -hmm. so there's this identity being tied to performance in the digital world. And there's a whole generation that's grown up and they don't know a world before that. So why don't you share a little bit about your experience with social media and what God's been teaching you through it? Dude, I'll start with this image. Social media is like, is a way of sifting what's really in our hearts if we actually want to look and turn the light on to, to see. Oh, okay. Like it's, it'll reveal to us what we really desire, what we're treasuring, because if we're affected by how a post performs or mm. whether the person we were, had in mind checked and liked our post or commented on it, if that discourages us in any way or moves us in a certain way, then it's likely that we're placing our identity in our performance or results or outcome to an extent. And I can say that I know this from experience (laughs) from the time I was like 12 or 13, I knew I wanted to go into entertainment in some sense, but that was back in like, Oh, seven. This was when Facebook was just now starting to become a thing or be get really popular. So Vine didn't exist back then. Snapchat didn't exist. Instagram didn't even exist at that point. I was just like, oh, I want to go into entertainment. YouTube was around, but once I hopped on Vine and started getting like views and likes and followers and all this stuff, it was fun. I was enjoying it until it became like, I don't know. I just, I just started weighing the numbers differently. And what that, when we do that, when we see like, oh, this post got less likes than the last one. Again, this person didn't look at my story or whatever. This, this, this isn't performed as well as other people's. When, we, when we're doing that, then that just shows us the type of value that we place in, that we're, that we're placing in our content and the lack of value that we see in ourselves 
as people and individuals, as sons and daughters of God first. Because if we get our, if we're getting our affirmation from the Lord, if we're really getting it from Him, then it really will not matter how post performs to us. Like we won't be swayed by it. Like of course we want our stuff to do well. We want to make excellent content. We are. I'm sure you've said this plenty of times on this podcast before, but as Christians, we should be the most creative people on the planet. You know, like, like being able to partner with God to make awesome stuff. It should be the most impactful stuff. But um, something that and what and what's wild is like I, I mentioned before, I stepped. I've been away from social media for like since November of last year, 2021. But it kind of, it really started in 2019 where I started to feel like uh, I was just I just experienced some really terrible burnout because I was trying to increase my likes and performance and results so much and I put so much worth in that that when it didn't happen I actually started losing followers I was like why am I even doing this anymore I'm not enjoying it should I be switching and shifting into a different area and during this during a lot of that time that like guys really been teaching me sonship just identity through all that one of the dopest things I heard anybody say to me is like a a friend and older uh, mentor he said your numbers could drop and your influence could spike. Ooh. What I mean by that is even with, oh, perfect example. When Jesus went and fed the, oh, uh, the thousands of people with the fish and bread, there were 5,000 men, not including women and children. So it could have been like 10,000 or more people. And he does this awesome miracle. These people came to him hungry and they were fed. And then it says he left. And then the next day, everybody was going and looking for him. When they came to him, he knew that they weren't really looking for him, that they were just hungry for more food. And he was aware that what they really needed to eat was him. Like, he, that's why he said, can eat my flesh, drink my blood. You, you think you need food, physical food, but what you need is spiritual food. You're desiring and hungering for me. And after he said that, like the whole zombie Jesus <laughs> quotes, he lost thousands and thousands of followers. Wow. And of followers. Of How followers. About that? This influencer. Followers. Like what like just think about he, Jesus was an influencer. He had all these followers. What did he say to them? He, he wasn't caring about what they thought of him. He was like, I am <laughs> Dude, gonna say what so the Father's putting in my heart. I'm gonna do what he's calling me to do. His numbers dropped, his following dropped, but his influence spiked. He's literally the most influential person to ever walk on the planet. And he had 12 Man. followers, but he just did what he knew he was here to do. And because of that, his influence was is like unlimited to put us ourselves in our shoes. Like if if we had and we do when we have these thousands of people looking to us, are we here talking about like <laughs> imagine if Jesus <laughs> imagine if Jesus was like. Yo, what's up, guys? Bye, bye, Birch. Like, like what? Like, follow me on Instagram. Nah, man, he's he's like lay down your life. You know, he, he, the stuff that he said. He still fed people. He gave them what they wanted. Like, we actually need. They needed physical food for real. Like, people need to. Yeah. And people need to laugh or whatever. But if you're called to like kind of be more of a sword, and you're scared to yeah. do that, then you're caring more yeah. about what people are thinking mm. and what your followers want than what the Lord wants to do through you, which is always going to be way better, even if it doesn't feel like it. And then that's the indicator. Yeah. If it feels like it's not better, sometimes the stuff that doesn't feel right might not feel right just because we're caring more about our reputation than doing what's, 
what we know we're called to do. Those yeah. are some things I've really been learning recently um, that have helped me just keep saying. The Lord gave me a phrase as you were saying that because one thing that we talk about at our own company, Reveal, is how excellence is a bridge, mm-hmm. right? Like we do excellent work for our customers ultimately because excellence is a bridge for the truth to travel over. And, and as you're saying that, I was thinking bread is a bridge. Like bread is the bridge to show people what they really need, which is the bread of life, which is Jesus, right? And you're in this scenario, Chaz, particularly where you're this guy who God is gifted with, dude, like a hilarious sense of humor. Even as you were kind of recapping some of your most viral videos, I remember like watching those videos, like laughing out loud, crying, just because the, especially the, uh, the videos where you're doing like the mispronunciations, like going through like a, like a grocery store and grabbing anything. I was like, dude, how does this guy come up with this stuff? Is it was just so off the wall, super funny and brilliant. But you know, God's given you that gift, not to bury that gift, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about even parables, the parable of the, of the steward that Jesus talks about who buried his talent and, The king came back or the master came back and was like, what'd you do with the thing that I gave you? And he's like, oh, I was afraid. I was afraid to mess up. So I buried it. Yeah. And the master was like, you should have invested that. I wanted to see a return on that. So yeah. the Lord wants a return on the gift that he's given you. Mm-hmm. But really that gift is a bridge. It's mm-hmm. a bridge for the truth of the gospel to travel over. And Mm -hmm. so I don't want to steal your thunder. I want to kick it back to you, but I want you to share with us like, so you've been on this, this baby, uh, basically like a digital sabbatical, social media sabbatical since November, you said. And, um, and yet, how are you in this? Like, how do you, how do you reconcile? Okay. I'm doing, I'm taking some serious time off but your income's attached to that. Your livelihood's attached to that. Your career's attached to that. What has God taught you through that process of saying, you know what, for my own soul, I need to press pause on the thing that I thought like was my source for a little bit. Yeah. And you know, just, you take it away, but I want you to speak into that, that process. Yeah, man. Um, after that first burnout situation back in 2019, I'm going to share how I got to that point. So this was okay. a two-year period. I had, at that point, like mid-2019, towards the end, I was thinking like, throughout the past six years or so, I feel like I've never both been consistent and super intentional with my content. Just when I was consistent, when I first started off, everything like was really blowing up and that was awesome. But I was just having fun with it. I was, I was just like winging it, not really caring. And then... Like, what if I added more a greater level of intentionality to that? Then how much would my following grow? I was really, I didn't even realize it at the time. I was really thinking for myself. So I put this whole schedule together for um, content um, to start creating over the next several months. And my, I lost followers on all platforms. It was actually like kind of ridiculous. I felt so discouraged. It was stupid. I was like, man, I'm just going to do music or something. This is, this is annoying. I'm done with this. And um, <laughs> after like about a month um, of just not doing anything, I was like, man, this is, this is at the top of January. Uh, and I, I had been going, for, I was going, creating like YouTube content once, up, and uploading something once a week. So posting like two to three times every week, which is a lot when you're shooting, editing, recording, writing all by yourself and all that. Um, 
and it just was it was it, in my mind it was a failure like it was, that's how I saw it and I was really discouraged and I, I stopped like in mid-November finally when I had the guts to go back on social media I was just so disgusted by it I got back on TikTok and I was like huh this would be kind of funny I made this video and it got like a million views and fast forward like just just like I was doing when I first started it was just like I just I got on and it took off and what's crazy is about a year later the video caught wind again and it's now my most viewed video of all time at like 50 million I'm not I don't even understand why it was just ridiculous but it was when I wasn't even trying it was just like oh let me just enjoy this and have fun and not think about it. oh there's something I'm doing with you guys. I even had like a a shirt that's on it that said uh worship over worry and I didn't even realize it which is wow that's a whole word in itself man but how about that so shortly after that now we're going into 2020 at the beginning of the year I felt like the word that God gave me for the year was just abide just chill out rest I'm like all right cool let me step back from social media for just a little bit not focus so much on it just like be intimate with you all that so when the lockdown yeah. came I was like oh this isn't really changing much for me until like a month or two later I'm like all right now everything slowed down I'm not traveling or nothing let me start a podcast let me uh start making music let me start streaming and let me keep up a, a like a consistent schedule on YouTube again. I'm good now, right? Plus, I got more help and blah, blah, blah. And I remember I got burned out again. One morning I woke up yeah. and got like put this like the Mary Martha story on my heart. How I was just hustling, 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 hustling when he just wanted me at his feet. Like just like he said at the beginning of the year. And I didn't even realize it. And then and but I still wasn't getting a grasp of what he was trying to tell me about work. And so the rest of 2020 happens and still not like really sure about what to do. Fast forward anyway, I'm gonna skip over some other details. I finally come to uh, the end of 2021 and I'm like, I, I just have been trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing on social media. And I, but I just couldn't shake this feeling of like it was more of a distraction at this point. And it just, it really felt like it was getting in the way of my intimacy with the Lord. Not just in terms of creating, but consuming also. Yeah, for a bunch of other reasons, it was just too much. And I, after talking to a bunch of friends about it, just in older guys, mentors, and just praying about it, I realized like no amount of money is worth my peace and my relationship with the Lord. It was wild. I had like two, two of the biggest brand deal offers I had gotten came in right around that time too. And I had to turn them both down in order to just step away and focus on this other project that I'm that I'm working wow. on. I'm just doing this one thing that I know God's put on my heart to do. Everything else is like, I want to do this. Oh, I think this will be good. Oh, I think I'll be good at this. Oh, I can make a bunch of money off this. Oh, this will perform well. Like I put all that stuff to the side. I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's the only thing I've been focused on. And it's been, yeah, like a sacrifice of my income. And at times especially when I was making the decision, but still every now and then I'll get like concerned, like, man, am I being lazy? Am I, am I not doing this just out of a fear of getting burned out again? Lord, I'm, I should be able to provide for myself, right? I shouldn't just not be working at all. That just, it speaks to what my, what I think my, the definition of work is. Cause I am doing work right now. It's just like, it's a different focus, but um, yeah, the, this question of like, okay, Lord, how do you want to provide for me? has kept coming to mind. And he's like continuously been coming through. I have had money saved up, but I haven't really made anything since the middle to 
towards the end of last year. <laughs> and um, oh my goodness, whoa! Yeah, I just been trusting that uh, what he's calling me to do is what I'm supposed to be doing. And um, but but like out of this entire season, something that blessed the thing that blessed me the most was what you said when we were on the phone. I think a month or two ago. Just the fact that we can't outgive God. And mm. it's it's still hard for me to fully claim this because it feels like, I don't know, it, it's, for some reason in my head, it feels kind of self-focused, but you were like, we, you can't give outgive God and you're not just giving him like a tithe or offering, you're giving him your income. And I'm like, I, I've never even thought about it like that. I'm just, I, it, it just feels like I'm just saying yes to what he's calling me to do. I never considered like, oh Lord, let me give you my, like that, you know? I know it it resonated with me because like it that joint just made me cry, bro, like right on the spot. And I had it <laughs> I think I yeah, I told you that too. But ultimately to answer the question, I I could be long-winded at times, but I don't know. It's just been a matter of trusting that I know what I heard and I know what he's put on my heart and just going with that. Golly. I mean, if anyone if if anyone could get anything out of this episode, Chaz, my hope for people would be that they could see that to live a life directed by the Holy Spirit in their career, their craft, and their calling. I mean, you, I think I shared with you my story briefly on, an, on another call, mm -hmm. and the audience has probably heard me share this story before, but I had a moment in film school at the University of Miami. I came in to that school uh, an atheist, and I left out a Holy Spirit-filled believer. Mm -hmm. And halfway through school, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in my car and he said, there's only room on the set of your life for one director and you're not him. Hmm. And that moment changed everything for me where I was going from like worshiping the universe, trying to manifest my own destiny and trying to be the director of my life mm -hmm. to realizing like, hey man, like I'm not the director. And to be honest, the script that I'm writing for my life sucks. <laughs> but Ephesians 2.10 says that I am his masterpiece. Yeah. Chaz, you are his masterpiece. We are his poema. Those who are listening right now, you are God's masterpiece. You are God's poema. And he had a plan for you that he wrote literally in a book before you ever lived one day. Yeah. And here we are. He's calling us. I mean, the prodigal son, he's calling us to come back into alignment with his script. Mm-hmm. And to live a life directed by him, to live a career, to work a career directed by him. Yeah. And what I'm just believing for you, Chaz, is you're saying like, you are relentlessly saying God, and not just saying, but you're living it. You're relentlessly living after this principle of Jesus, you're my source. You are my provider. And I want your story for my life. I don't want the copycat story of Hollywood and what everybody else is chasing after. I want something different. Mm -hmm. And and God will honor that, man. I'm just believing it for you. And I'm praying that you. your story, it really challenges, convicts, and really sets someone else free who's been in that rat race, the social media rat race. I mean, guys, this guy has, has like climbed to the mountaintop of social media influence on multiple platforms, okay? And it wasn't fulfilling for him. In fact, there was a point where it actually mm -hmm. kind of became bondage. Oh, because yeah, for sure. now it's it's like now you have to sustain I was serving what it. you strive for. I was serving it. Yeah. Dang. And you can only serve one master. Yeah. Like you can't serve two masters. And so, Chaz, uh, as we close out, we're going to give you a moment at the end 
to share like how people can follow you. But before we get there, I'd love for you to just pray for our, oh, yeah. for our audience, pray for us, man. pray for us. as like that we, that we would live a life of consecration to to the one master who really is worthy of it. And, and, do whatever Jesus says, even if he tells us to do something as crazy as eat his flesh and drink his blood yeah. or whatever that looks like the equivalent for your calling, your career, but that we would have the courage to obey it like you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm, I'm trying my best, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm a <laughs> praying, it, I'm a praying to this. This is a, just something that, yeah, I've been praying with, praying to God about and just talking with others about just the, just the question of why we even create, like, to, to think of it, to think of this, the Lord created the heavens and the earth and the universe and everything in it. And he created this paradise called the Garden of Eden. Eden literally means pleasure. And then he placed Adam mm. in it after that. So when Adam was created, he was already in quite literally God's pleasure. He was already mm. there. But then God told him to create out of what he created. Like, why? If it was already perfect, if he was already in God's pleasure, why go and create and cultivate? Um, and this is the conclusion that I've been coming, that I've like, yeah, I guess been coming to. My mind could change about this or like grow more in, in this. It probably will. I hope it does. But yeah, just this question of why do, why do we create? Why did Adam create? Why did Jesus do what he did? Um, I'd say right now, that for me, the answer is we get to create in order to enjoy creation with our creator for his glory and our pleasure. The discipline of social media, this is my thesis statement right here, or any platform you find yourself on on a particular day, it's like Jesus' platform on a particular day was that hill by the Sea of Galilee. It's really just about being aware of why you're doing what you're doing. And so um, my prayer for us is that we would enjoy the freedom we get to consume the goodness of creation while being aware of why we're consuming it, talking about like scrolling up and down, don't just scroll aimlessly to enjoy the pleasure of others seeing, of seeing others enjoy what we get to create while being aware of why we're creating it so that it doesn't become about wow. solely others' enjoyment of our content. And then just to enjoy the nature of creation itself, there's a little double entendre there. It's like what God has already created and the process of creation while being aware that it's him who we get to create with and it's about who we are to him and being with him. And then we're able to enjoy all the other stuff. So, yeah, Lord, thank you, Father God, for this time. Thank you for every Mm -hmm. single person who is listening to this this podcast. I pray, Father God, that you would open up all of our hearts and minds and renew our minds, Lord, to really renew our minds, to get our our ducks in order when it comes to first being intimate, intimate with you and then creating out of that, Lord, that we wouldn't seek to find our identity in creating, but know that our identity comes first and we get to create from that. And Lord, I just pray even right mm-hmm. now that you would um, ping people's hearts who are listening. Anybody who's, that people who are listening to this prayer would just pause for a moment and allow you to speak. Yeah. That you would share with them, Holy Spirit, anything on their hearts or any ways that they can't see right now where they're, they're creating for your pleasure rather than creating from your pleasure the other son in the prodigal son story the older one he did everything right and he was working and he was always with his father the entire time but 
he felt like he had to work for his father's pleasure and he was frustrated when um, the father received the younger son because he wasn't aware that everything that his father had was already his. I pray that everybody Mm. listening to this would know that we're already his, that everything you have for us is is already there. We don't need to go and seek and strive to build our own empire or following but rest and trust that as we um are close with you and that you want the best for us and that we we already have the best lord we have nothing really to gain in this world anyway um that we would be able to be at peace with working for your glory from your pleasure lord knowing that um we're already fully with you we're already we're already with you and that we will fully be with you one day um, in heaven, Lord, in eternity. Let our work be for your glory and for our pleasure. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us go. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Chaz. Hey, man, how can how can people follow along with your story since you're not on social media right now? Yeah. What's, what, what can they look out for in the future? Um, bro, I'm so excited. Let me give you all a rundown real quick. This, is, this, is, this has been really fun. So, it. like, at the beginning of last year, I was frustrated because I was like, all right, Lord, I want to, all this funny stuff is great, but I don't feel like it has an eternal value really. And I want to preach the gospel, but when I like share on my social media platforms, like trying to force feed people vegetables at Chick-fil-A, like that's not what they're here for. They want the funny stuff. They want the Chick-fil-A. Like that's good. Chick-fil-A is good, but how do I do both? You know? So he put it on my heart to start this web series where I'm going to be telling stories, like a YouTube story time series, just telling stories, really fun, entertaining way, telling stories the same way I would to a 15 year old as I would to a 50 year old, um, narrating them, having some, fr- inviting some friends on as voice actors and stuff like that. But 90% of it is gonna be animated and all the stories are gonna be from scripture. I'm starting with Daniel's life. The pilot episode is coming out later this year. And um, after nice. that, I'm playing, I think I'm probably gonna go do a crowdfunding uh, campaign and then get the money cool. to make the rest of the episodes, which I'm writing right now. So. Y'all want to check that out? Just follow me on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, wherever. YouTube and Instagram, I say the main ones. But uh, just search my name, C-H-A-Z Smith, and uh, you'll see it when I post about it. Heck yes, bro. I'm so pumped for that, man. Thank you for your time on Directed Life today, bro. Thank you for Thanks your for vulnerability. And more importantly, man, thank you for your yes to the kingdom. Because this story that you get to share, it's not possible if you if you hadn't gone through this season of refinement. Thank so you. I was blessed, man. Thanks so much again for jumping on. We'll have to have you again in the future. Thank you, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it.